It was fun talking to David Phillips, Senior Climatologist for Environment Canada, about El Nino returning, but he raises a very good point. We've been in La Nina years for the last three years. We've been having cooler winters, but we've had some of the hottest summers, and now we're heading into a warmer uh, warmer spell with El Nino over the next three years. So it's a wake-up call for all of us. Uh, And our next caller, or sorry, our next guest, has also uh, been talking about this issue probably more than anybody in British Columbia, and he brings a lot of knowledge with him. Uh, Andrew Weaver, of course, is a former Green Party leader, but he's a professor in the School of Earth and Ocean Sciences at the University of Victoria. Uh, he uh, has been asking his fellow climate scientists to tone down the rhetoric and environmentalists too, I guess, that there's, there's just better ways and more constructive ways to contribute when it comes to tackling the challenges before us when it comes to climate change. Now think about this just for a second. In 2021, the journal Nature surveyed 10,000 young people between the ages of 16 to 25 years years old in 10 countries and what they found there with, with talking to these kids is there was distress there was anger and other negative emotions um, this eco anxiety is what they call it it's having a negative impact on respondents daily lives and it's partly caused by the feeling that governments aren't doing enough to avoid a climate catastrophe I think we all have to collectively get there and I wanted to talk to Andrew about that today Andrew thank you for joining us Pleasure. Thank you for having me on, Jazz. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, nice talking to you as well. Uh, tell me, this conversation, I know you spoke to Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Uh, I, I, I didn't actually speak to Vaughn Palmer about oh, that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I wrote a blog, a long blog, and, and Vaughn obviously picked it up. It was quite well received um, internationally, and uh, I guess Vaughn just proactively found it. I, you were the one who pointed out the article to me. I didn't even know it was written. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. But you had some really good points there. First and foremost, let's focus on climate scientists and perhaps environmentalists as well. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what, you, what your concern has been in regards to the broader conversation. Sure. Thanks, Jeff. So, you know, I've been working in the field of climate science since the 1980s, and I've, I've basically seen it all. I've been on the front lines of this, both uh, in the science world, as well as, as you know, sitting on the other side of the ledge for me, in the legislature, too, mm-hmm. trying to advance climate policy. Uh, I was in the ledge for eight years, and prior to me going into the ledge, climate change, global warming was really, with the students, and I teach hundreds of students a year, was really a, 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 a significant issue that they were worried about, sort of. But it was someone else's problem somewhere else in the world sometime in the future. Eight years later, I come back, and I'm literally scraping people off the floor because the level of anxiety within the student body, I've never seen anything like it. And a lot of it is grounded in rhetoric, and it's not actually grounded in in science. And so I've been exploring what has changed in those eight years. And and I I think I know, but uh, I think a lot of it was done through well-meaning scientists continuing to express concern about global warming, as they should. But the rhetoric is continuing, and I think we've come to a point where those in the scientific community, and, and I am one, um, because we have privilege and agency in this problem, and what I mean by that is we know what the problem is, we've defined it internationally, we are in a very special place because we know better than others what it is, yet we cannot abdicate our, respo- our position in society and pretend somehow we're just the same as everyone else. We have a duty and responsibility as a collective to help advance the solutions and not just shout at others and say, you should do it. Because, as you know, Jazz, and sitting in the ledge, a lot of them don't know what to do. I know that a lot of the political establishment want to do something, but they don't know what to do. And, and the rhetoric of that, of that uh, kind of uh, setup means that often nothing gets done. Mm-hmm. And so I was hoping that what we would do is our my scientific community and, and others, and there are many others, would recognize that... We are scaring people now, and when people get scared, they shut down 
or they start to disassociate with an issue. And I've had feedback, quite a bit of feedback on that blog post, mm-hmm. uh, saying precisely that, that people have shut down, they're sad, they're, they grieve. And we don't need to be, because as I've tried to say for those eight years in the legislature, global warming remains to the single biggest issue we have to deal with, but it is an empowering issue, because if you see it through the lens of the opportunity and, and, and innovation, the opportunity creates for innovation in dealing with it, we could actually be ahead of this. And it's very empowering for individuals dealing with climate grief to actually work towards solutions because not only do they alleviate their own grief, but they help others. So my hope is to try to get the scientific community um, to show the leadership so that others will follow and actually move our rhetoric and, 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 and conversation to solutions as opposed to shouting at the clouds. Do you think part the of it, though... The matter is, Jeff, yep. the, big, the big problem in the world today is not climate change. It's Vladimir Putin and what's going on in Russia right now. And, you know, let us, let us be clear. The more we fight amongst our chel- ourselves, the more that people like Putin take advantage of that. And that is exactly what we're seeing in the Donbass region, the oil and gas fields region of the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And, it's, it, and, and so it, I just would like us all to, to, to reflect upon our language in this debate. Um, I would agree with what you have to say. And, 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 polit- and the, in the issue of climate change, we've turned it into a left-right debate as well, black and white, exactly. yes or no. And, 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 and you know... How do you change that, though? I mean, I think part of the blame is also elected officials as well, that they, they get too enamored with the industry or they're too enamored on the other side, that it is there is a middle way somewhere. And I, I have difficulty defining it as well. But part of it is, I think, a political class that, that, that needs to feel a bit more urgency in this. Jazz, I agree with you. And I think you and I, more than others who are a little independent from the political scene, know that more than most because we... Mm-hmm. We saw it firsthand. Uh, I know that I tried very hard in the legislature to come up the middle and point out that climate policy is not, is, and try to always focus in the middle, working with the BC Liberals or working with the BC NDP. Unfortunately, um, the ext- in our society, we have extremists, and those extremists like to amplify their voices. So I was not popular with the extreme left, the eco-socialist left, who thought that what we need is a revolution in essence. And, and, and conversely, I would not be popular with the the kind of freedom convoy on the right. Mm-hmm. We are giving those, those extremists, in my view, far too much voice in today's uh, political discourse and societal discourse. Most of them are not representative of any others in the small echo chambers for which they represent, but with the Internet and, frankly, with, in my, in, in my view, the desperate attempt of many in the media to try to feel relevant as, as many of our, our, of our society move towards online means and ways of getting news, we tend to ratchet up stories and pick and focus on the extremes when what we really need to do is focus on the center. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping we can do in the climate debate because, you know, Greta Thunberg, what she did was she made it a mainstream issue. She was able to make this something that if you go to poll after poll after poll, 80% of people in most every country in the world are willing to do something to deal with it. So let's focus on those 80 percent, not those 20 percent on the the far right. Andrew, we've run out of time. I want to have you on soon. I want to talk to you a little bit about LNG uh, as well. Uh, Hopefully the next couple of weeks we'll get you back on. Thank you so much for your time today. Always a pleasure, Jess. Thank you.